Hello, Hall Vineyard, church family and friends. Great to see you on here. We're in the book of Jonah, and welcome to part three today. And so I'd love for you to grab your Bibles, grab a notepad and pen, grab your cup of coffee, and uh, we're going to be looking at verses one to nine today. And the title for today's talk is All or Nothing. So today's talk is actually going to be hopefully really, really encouraging, inspiring for you. Just pray that the Holy Spirit stirs stuff uh, up on the inside of you. Um, But it's also going to be challenging in that uh, as we really ask the Lord to speak to us through these few verses. So, um, yeah, grab your Bible and I'm going to read to you verses 1 to 9. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us, and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, Let us cast lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who's responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. So next week, uh, we're going to be getting to that moment where Jonah is swallowed up by the big fish and the significance of that. But just before we get to that, I I kind of felt this week that there was some unfinished business with uh, this chapter. There's a few thoughts that I'd love to to bring out. You know, as as a series, we're looking at how Jonah is an incredible story in which God is speaking to us, his church, about returning back to him and the call on our lives and revival. A church that returns to God, births a move of his spirit. And I think at at the outset of this year, 2021, I think one of the most helpful things that we can actually do is is to think about and ponder upon some of the lessons that we may have learned in 2020. And last week we talked about navigating the storms of life and how we looked uh, in this story about that storm when it came upon the ship and how storms can often be a a great teacher to us for our lives. And um, the reality is there are things that we probably would never have learned in our discipleship to Jesus if there hadn't have been a storm. 
And so there, there are multiple lessons that I'm personally learning. I think we as a church are learning from 2020 and this pandemic that we're still in. But I think there is a headline. There is one central thing that the church, I believe, really needs to learn from the storm that we are in. And it's this, that the Christian faith does not work in a lukewarm framework. The Christian faith does not work in a lukewarm framework. It's probably taken a storm of the magnitude of a pandemic to realize that, that you know, with everything being stripped away, everything that familiar that we've known, the reality is, is that the teachings, the life, the way of Jesus does not work and fit neatly into our 21st century Britain. You know, when a, when a storm like COVID hits and so much is stripped away, then you realize that actually only radical discipleship and a wholehearted, not a half-hearted, a wholehearted return to God is required and will work. And so when we talk about returning to God, what is it we're doing? We're reclaiming what does it truly mean to radically follow Jesus in our culture and in our time and in our day. And if we don't reclaim that, then the reality is, is that for us this season uh, will be marked by and continues to be marked by simply survival. Just getting by now, look, there have been many times this last year where myself and we as a family have just had days where we've just survived. You just get by, you just muddle through and particularly um, sensitive right now to where we're at right now with this uh, latest lockdown and just with the pressures that that has brought upon us and um, thinking about you with kids and homeschooling, pressures of isolation and loneliness and um, yeah, just the various things that are going on, the pressures of that. Uh, and so there are moments of survival, but we long for days and we long for moments in our Christian discipleship where we move on from survival to a place of stability. And stability is really underrated, but being stable is such an important thing. It's such an, a crucial hallmark of what it means to be a follower of Christ and, and to be human, if you like. But uh, the, the stage further on from there is significance. Significance is the really the stage and the place of fruitfulness, of vision, of proactivity, of multiplication in our lives. And that's, that's where we want to step into. We want to come to a place where we start to step out of survival mode and even stability to a place of significance. And the book of Jonah is such a beautiful story because it acts as a mirror to our lives, to our context right now. Um, it's a call to wholehearted, all in return to God because that is the place of significance. That is the place of um, where we're beginning to make an impact on many other people. And here's one of the moments 
in this chapter, in, in these nine verses, which is kind of a real highlighter pen moment for me. It's one of those moments where God has got his highlighter pen and he's just highlighting, saying, look at this. Because there's a huge irony in this point, but it's a huge teaching point to us as a church family. Jonah is on the run. And in verse nine, he says this, that he, he worships the Lord, or um, in another translation, he fears the Lord. He worships the Lord, he fears the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. So, so Jonah claims and now admits and confesses that he fears and worships the Lord, the God who controls the sea. Just think about that. Of which Jonah is crossing the thus said sea to escape from the God that he fears and worships. Huge irony in that, but it's, as I say, it's a great teaching point because th there comes a moment and, and we're looking at really some of the subtleties of, of running away from God because so often it's not obvious to us, but some of the subtleties that maybe the Holy Spirit in this season as we re kind of have that restart and reboot in 2021, where the Holy Spirit is, it does like an x-ray on our hearts and our lives and we begin to see things and things that were hidden begin to, to show up. But there comes a moment now running away from God and this is the most dangerous place to be in where um, it's not an all-out rejection from God, but actually it's a place where we begin to fool ourselves. Like Jonah, he knows who he belongs to, he knows who he serves, he knows who he worships, and it's the creator God, and the one who controls the sea and the storms and the waves and everything. He's, he's crossing that sea to escape from this God, and so um, we've got to make sure that we don't have a heart and a posture in our discipleship where we, we've become so lukewarm and half-hearted sitting on the fence that um, we've begun to fool even ourselves. That is the most dangerous place to be in, where we have the appearance that everything is okay. We're hiding behind that mask, if you like. But in our private sphere, in our private world, in our internal world, before you and the Lord, for me and the Lord, is that we're actually fooling ourselves. Uh, we're, we're drifting. We're, we're being distracted. Our faith is being diluted. It's what Paul talks to Timothy about, a seared conscience, a seared conscience. And so you have Jonah here who um, knows who God is, He's a worshipper of the creator God, and yet he's crossing the sea God created to escape him. And so for me, we have like a modern day parable, if you like, of, of what a divided heart looks like. A divided heart or a double-minded person looks like. And we have um, the story of Jonah who's running, not in repentance, but running in resistance away from God and He's asleep. Earlier on in, in these verses, he's, he's asleep below deck on the boat. And we're now seeing the full extent of his resistance by acknowledging that he worships God, admitting that, and yet is still running away. And this is, for me, a stark challenge to the church globally. Uh, what is worse is a sleeping church 
that still turns up now and again, um, keeping up appearances, um, communicates that they have a faith, that they worship God, but it's kind of one foot in, one foot out. It's half-hearted. It's often a relationship of convenience. You know, when Christianity is working for me and it's going great, then I'm, I'm all in. But when the storms of life happen and when things aren't working out and God doesn't seem to be answering my prayers, that is the test of, of really our faithfulness to God. Now, God is looking for a church right now. He's looking for a church that is fully alive, fully awakened to the call on her life, where we're all in. And, and there's, a, there's a moment in verse five where the sailors, they throw their luggage, they throw their cargo off the ship to lighten the ship whilst it's in the storm. And um, I think that's a beautiful picture actually of, of people doing anything to just return to the Lord. It's a picture of what often we do when God takes the church on a journey of repentance. One of the powerful things the Holy Spirit does in this season is to speak to the church, to speak to you and, and I about stuff actually we need to get rid of. Things that are preventing that wholehearted, radical discipleship and followership of Jesus. You know, in the book of Joshua, it talks about, and we looked at this last year, about taking off your shoes. What are those things that are preventing you pursuing God wholeheartedly? Um, in Hebrews, it talks about, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything, everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Now, maybe, in fact, not maybe, I'm sure of it. As we return to the Lord, as we step into what it means to be radical, radical followers of Christ, the reality is we will start to get rid of some things. Particularly in this 21 days of prayer and fasting, maybe the Lord will begin to speak to you about just removing the internet plug. Uh, getting distance in a, a relationship, particularly a relationship that is toxic. Uh, removing what is so often the good in our lives to make room for the best. Uh, it's where we start to uh, assess and filter our lives through that Matthew 6 principle of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So we start to place things like our finances through that grid and our time through that grid and our social life through that grid. And we start to um, prioritize accordingly to being wholeheartedly following Christ. We start to assess maybe what we watch and what we listen to. These are the things that the Holy Spirit, I'm sure, is speaking to the church about. And you actually start to get really ruthless. You start to get single-minded and uh, focused on what it means to be so sold out for Christ and his cause. And, and included in that is maybe this year we shouldn't be making more New Year's resolutions, if you like, at the outset of 2021. But actually, maybe God is speaking to you and I about stripping some things back and away, simplifying our lives. So maybe there's fewer things actually we need to be focusing on. 
as we return to the Lord. Because the alternative for the Christian is mediocrity, it's, it's average living, it's lukewarmness, it's sitting on the fence type of Christianity. And do you know what? I was thinking about uh, some of the restrictions that sadly we have in place right now. And I was thinking as a church, as a vineyard, when we gather, and I can't wait to do this again, gathering and singing together in worship is one of the most beautiful, precious things that we can do and we do do. And I can't wait for that moment. But actually, rather than being in a place of where we're complaining, as it were, that we can't do that and frustrated, but actually maybe the Lord has allowed certain things to be taken away for a season for us to realign our worship to God. That actually maybe we're in a place where, yeah, we would sing songs corporately, but we'd stop singing personally. We'd stop singing privately. We'd stop singing that song unto the Lord um, at home. And I find it ironic sometimes people would uh, make complain about not being able to sing corporately or uh, in a gathered environment, but actually they'd never sing at home. But actually maybe the Lord is turning our hearts back to him where, do you know what? Sing at home. You're free to sing at home. You're free to sing um, on your own. Fill your life, fill your home with the worship and the wonder and the praises of God. And I just really believe that as we step into that, uh, returning back to the heart of God and what it means to truly worship God with conviction and intimacy is actually when we all come together, it's just going to be like, it's going to be wild. It's going to be like a wild bonfire, as it were. It's going to be just beautiful. And so we see this moment again outplayed, looking at the sailors and how they reacted in the storm. Uh, and it says that in verse 5, they, they cried out to their God. And the reality is, is that when, when we fear, and often um, in, in times like this where we're afraid and there's fear, um, every single human on this planet acknowledges and worships something or someone. And, and they all turn to their individual gods, if you like. But as they found with all false counterfeit idols is that they, they don't do anything. They're not alive then they're dead. They don't speak, they don't help. And when that happens uh, with people, is it so often we go to work ourselves to try and fix the issue. If we've looked to an external God of, or help of some kind and that doesn't work, is actually we'll try and fix the issue ourselves. And so um, actually I, I love that secondary um, reflect, reflection on the sailors getting rid of the cargo because it speaks to me of when people begin to work and do things to fix the issue, to calm the storm, to appease the storm of their lives. They pray to their God, nothing happens, so then let's get rid of things. And um, what I mean by that is that, do you know what, if if your idol in life is relationships, for instance, is that often you will throw more time into those relationships in order to be fulfilled and satisfied and have hope and be happy and content. Uh, you know, we could talk about the worship of career and work. We could talk about possessions. You know, 
if, if we believe that materialism and possessions is the thing that will get us out of this storm and this pandemic and will help us feel satisfied. And we've seen that with all the shops closing, it's just uh, that idol has, has fallen for so many people is that we'll throw more money at the problem. If we just throw money at our lives and the problem, then that will help us feel better. We could talk about the worship of really politicians and celebrities and uh, of sex and we're looking at these things to essentially save us and rescue us from the storms and difficulties of life to give us hope to give us meaning and all the while this is happening you've got the prophet Jonah who worships God and fears God he is asleep and I think that's a great picture for us as a church that um, and why it's so important that the Lord is calling us back to him is when the world is is struggling all at sea in a storm, busy looking to false gods and busy throwing things at the issue, the church, we the church, hold the key, the key to the nations. You know, people right now are agonizing with colossal pressure. Hearts are failing on every side. There's addiction and suicide and abuse. And when the church forgets her calling, and doesn't return back to the Lord, and we're asleep like Jonah was. When we turn um, our backs on our obligation to the cause of the kingdom, to those who are lost, then we see in verse nine, a returning in Jonah slowly begins to happen. There's a, there's a link and a recognition that when he realizes that he is the issue, because I'm a big believer that we don't curse the darkness, but we turn the light on and the church is the mirror of Jesus, who is the light of the world. And we are called the light of the world. Then actually when he starts to confess who he serves and he admits his identity, then reality begins to break in. It's actually that is a, a defining moment that awakens him from his sleep. The sailors began to fear the Lord and they cry out to God and they offer sacrifices. There's a shift from looking to their gods and trying to work at things to deal with the issue to then looking to Jonah who fears and worships the true living God, the creator God and they begin to offer sacrifices. And that's often how revival breaks out. You know, when the church is awakened from its sleep and returns to the fear of the Lord, where we recognize his greatness and we're lost in awe and wonder again in our worship. And we then out of that, our identity returns, our identity returns. And so what happens with that confession, we read about it in verse nine. He answered, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. That confession of who the true God is, is that combination of wonder and internal faithfulness starts to return back to him. They asked Jonah in verse eight questions of identity. Who are you? Where are you from? And as Jonah becomes awakened to that, reality sets in for him. You know, 
I really believe that as the church is called back to God and the call upon the church is that one of the things that happens is that it results in a restoration of understanding who we are, a restoration of identity and out of that place of knowing who we are, who we belong to. The call and commission on our lives is that God imparts an authority upon the church to bring influence and impact upon the city. And these questions on identity that they ask actually reveal something about what we look to to be saved and to worship. Um, to know who you are is to know what you have given yourself to, to what controls you and what you and who you most fundamentally trust. And when the church returns to God and we return to who we are in Christ and the revelation of what we carry, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is within us. Christ's hope of glory is within us. And that's as we surrender to that identity and that authority, then a surrendered church can bring a revival in the culture. Friends, if you are born again, if you are a Christian, then you belong to the Lord. You belong to the Lord. And you can't even begin to live life without speaking of Christ and living under his lordship. And I believe one of the things that God is doing with his church as we return is that as the, the, he's restoring that revelation of who God is, of wonder, and then in turn, internal faithfulness. The outside pressure, like a pandemic, like the storms of life, won't destroy us, but the inner collapse of our lack of faithfulness to Jesus will. And so radical discipleship, radical reclaiming of returning to Jesus is where we're lost in wonder and worship and we have internal faithfulness where we're all in. And so I want to encourage you as I close to return home. You know, the vision of this, this church community and family is we're calling our city to return home. But it starts with us as the church. Home is God. It's where our true north is. We were made for him. We belong to him. We need that revelation and that admission that we worship and fear the God who is the creator of the world. And it's he who we follow. And we need to return home. And this 21 days is a tremendous opportunity for us to reset, to go on a prayer walk, to join in with our 21 days of prayer and, and fasting and to get alone with God and to read our Bibles. And, 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 and what you'll find, if, especially if you're just beginning out on this journey or you're sensing that this, yeah, this is, I, I, I have to do this, is it, you'll, it'll start out as a duty. Then it will become a discipline. Then it will become a delight and you won't want to live without it. Just being put back on track with that intimacy and fellowship with God and his call on your life. And so I want to encourage you really to allow the Holy Spirit to, to challenge our hearts in this time, to see in those areas where there's distraction and dilution, where we're asleep to the call of God on our lives and to begin that journey of returning home, of coming home and to using this, this season, these three weeks of 21 days of prayer and fasting to really... Um, focus, concentrate, fix our eyes upon 
Jesus to allow this process to, to happen. And so be reminded, church, that we love you. We're here for you. Please check out all our videos that we're putting out at the moment, which is really resourcing you and equipping you, the church, to help you uh, in this season and in this pandemic. God bless.